I'm going to preach this morning on the theme, What's Next? Business Unusual. Business Unusual. You know, church, people love to celebrate the holidays. We love the planning and the preparation, the pomp and the circumstance. We find great joy in the purchasing of matching family Christmas pajamas, hanging lights until our houses look like the Vegas Strip, or preparing enough food to feed our families until the rapture comes. We love the picture taking and the Facebook posting, the hug giving and receiving, the kiss planting and avoiding. We cherish the memory of guests who have moved on, moved away, or moved on up to glory. And we love recounting the celebrations of the past and oh, how good and oh, how great and oh, how wonderful things used to be. Church, we love celebrations. But when it's time to return the good china to the cabinet, to take down the decorations, or to put away the extra chairs for guests, we can't help but experience some feelings of emptiness. As another season of celebration has come to an end, and we embrace a return to business as usual. And we're not the only ones, as the disciples in our text this morning recently celebrated the risen Christ and now find themselves picking up their once abandoned fishing nets, hoping to catch business as usual. The only difference is that business was anything but usual. You see, the disciples have spent the last several years with a front row seat to the saga of salvation. They watched Jesus perform miracles like restoring sight to the blind, helping the lame to walk, or even raising people from the dead. They stood far off as Jesus was crucified on the cross, buried in a tomb, only to appear to them three days later alive showing them the holes in his hands, the piercing in his side, and breathing on them the power of the Holy Spirit. Considering all of these extraordinary and unusual experiences that the disciples witnessed firsthand, you think we'd interrupt them in the middle of a praise party. You think we'd interrupt them as they are serving the poor or preaching the good news of a risen Christ to unbelievers. But no, Kristen, we find them back to business as usual. As if nothing spiritually significant had happened in their lives. And you see, like many of us, they enjoyed the celebration. They sang, they prayed, they clapped, they may even have shouted hallelujah. But celebrating how Christ's presence changed the world had not changed their world. It had not radically revolutionized their purpose. And so they were back in the very boats where God had called them three years before. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, 
when the holiday celebration has come to an end, we too are not immune to returning to business as usual, ministry as usual, singing as usual, pastoring as usual, playing as usual, praising as usual, instead of allowing Jesus to radically and unequivocally transform our very purpose. In fact, I'd submit to you this morning that the greatest threat that's facing our church today is not simply the impending denominational split over human sexuality, the continued impact of COVID-19, or or even the mass exodus of of millennials or, or Gen Z from organized religion. No, I'd submit to you that the greatest threat to our church today are mass gatherings of believers who sit in the presence of a dynamic God a relevant God, a life-changing God, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and leave unchanged, unchallenged, and unapologetically returning to business as usual. Perhaps then, Steve, the first lesson of our text this morning is that Jesus should radically change the way that we do business. For when we've met Christ for ourselves, something something ought to be different about us. Something ought to be stirred up in us. Something ought to change us so much so that we can't return to business as usual. That's why David met God as a shepherd but left as a king. That's why Saul met God as a persecutor but left as a preacher. That's why Lazarus met God in a grave, but left a living, breathing testimony that God's resurrecting presence ought to permanently transform us, shake us, reinvent us, and repurpose us. For when we've truly encountered Christ for ourselves, he changes the very essence of who we are. Do me a favor and turn to someone next to you and say, I can't go back to business as usual. You said it, not me, not me. And and the reason why we can't go back to business as usual is this. It's very simple. What used to work for us won't work for us anymore. You see, once the presence of Christ has changed our purpose, It must also change our process. Now, just in case I lost you, let me see if I can make this a little bit more plain. You see, 11 years ago, when I would prepare my Sunday morning wardrobe, I would lay out my shirt, my skirt, and my shoes. You still with me? I'd easily zip them up uh, with no problem, head to service, ready to worship. But you see, over the last 11 years, my my purpose has changed a little bit. And so my process had to change. God blessed me with one 10-pound baby boy, followed by an 8-pound baby sister, and then a 7-pound baby sister. You know, we had to go for the hat trick. So, So now, with this new purpose, my process of morning dressing is just a, a little bit different. I still lay out 
my shirt, my skirt, and my shoes. But Bonnie, I am never without an industrial strength, military-grade, shape-shifting girdle. Why? Why? Because God knows that after three children, what used to work for me does not work for me anymore. And that's a word for somebody here today. Because since you've had an encounter with the living God, some things just won't fit the same. Some negative ways of thinking just won't fit the same. Some some thoughtless ways of speaking just won't fit the same. Some insider-focused ministry just won't fit the same. Because Christ has changed the very fabric of our being. What used to fit won't fit us anymore. And my brothers and sisters, if you're hearing this message and you're feeling a little uneasy, it may be, I'm not sure, but it may be because you're still trying to fit who God called you to be yesterday into who God has called you to be today. Or because we're still trying to fit the church that God called us to be yesterday into the church that God is calling us to be today. And maybe those old ways of doing things would have worked before Jesus transformed our purpose and our process. But the Bible says clearly that if any man or woman be in Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things, old purposes, old processes, even old ministries have passed away. Behold, all things. All things have become new. Or or haven't they? The truth is, if we want to respond to what God has next for us as disciples and as a congregation, we'll have to do the hard work of confronting those relationships, those, those ministries, those processes that are no longer filling our net. And get this, we already know it. Nobody has to tell the disciples that their nets are empty. They can feel it. And nobody has to tell us that sometimes our faith feels empty. Sometimes our prayers feel empty. Sometimes our church feels empty. Sometimes even our worship feels empty. And it's there in the emptiness of our business as usual, that Jesus calls us to something new, to cast our nets on the other side. Now, this seems a harmless request to us today, but for fishermen in the ancient Near East, this kind of request would have been sacrilege. See, back in Jesus' time, a group of fishermen would cast a weighted net at night when the waters would come alive with schools of fish. And the fishermen would commit to casting their net on one side of the boat because after a few hours, the weighted net would settle into the rhythm of the current, so much so that the fish could no longer detect its movement and therefore be caught. So Jesus' instruction to cast their net on the other side defies all known logic. 
all agreed upon tradition, everything they know about fish and being fishermen. And yet Jesus tells them to cast their net on the other side anyway. Because you see, casting nets isn't just about a shift in in position, but a shift in perspective. It's a shift that a little-known preacher named Martin made in Montgomery, Alabama, when the most effective weapon against racism and segregation was not guns, but songs of glory. It's a shift that a Palestinian girl named Malala made when she chose books in the literal face of bullets and ignited a revolution for girls' education in the Middle East. It's a shift that a preacher named John Wesley made when coal miners, widows, and orphans became people not just to do ministry to, but to do ministry with. And it's a shift that Jesus is calling each of us to make in our congregation, in our community, and within our very selves. For in 2,000 years, Jesus' instructions to cast our net on the other side has not changed. Following Jesus is still a dangerous catch of risk and reward of faith and doubt, of discipleship, fear, and faith. And yet, when we move our nets in this congregation, in our community, within the streams of our own spirit, we will upset the current. We may even awaken some snapping turtles. But Jesus, Jesus is persistent in calling us to cast our nets on the other side. Not simply because there we will find the abundant and vital ministry that we're looking for, but because casting our net on the other side isn't really about what we will catch, but whether Jesus has really caught us. Because following Jesus into what's next has never been about whether or not we can fish, but whether or not we have faith, whether or not we have trust, whether or not we are willing to follow Jesus into unchartered territory. And as you look at the floating nets, empty in the seats not filled in our sanctuary, at the floating nets, empty, For those in the community who have yet to know Christ, floating nets empty on the horizon of your own hope, Jesus is asking us two central questions today. Are you drowning in the fear of change? Or are you willing to cast your net into uncharted territory? Are you swimming in the shallow end of the familiar Or are you willing to dive deeply into the waters of witness? As the Holy Spirit works on our hearts, be encouraged that you are not alone in searching for the answer to these questions. For these were the very questions that I used to ask as I traveled around the state of New Jersey to 550 congregations as the director of mission for the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey. 
And I would meet with uh, pastors and mission and outreach teams as I helped to revitalize their outreach and mission ministries. And at one of these workshops, there, there was one particularly frustrated pastor who stood up at the back of the sanctuary and said loudly, what makes you so sure? What makes you so sure that if we transform our ministry, if we cast our nets on the other side, that any of this is going to work? Haven't you read the news, he said? Don't you know that our denomination is dying? That churches are closing left and right? What makes you so sure? I told him what I will admit to all of you now. I'm not so sure about what I know. But I am so sure about who I know. And like John in verse 7, I can see the shadow of a figure far off. I can hear a still small voice walking with us and talking with us and calling our congregation by name. And I can feel the current beginning to shift right here at Noblesville First where just in the last six months our attendance has increased by over 30%. And our nets are going to keep filling with hope and love and peace and mercy and justice and they will be so full that we will not be able to carry them to shore. I don't know what, but I do know Jesus. And like John, I will exclaim with hope in a very sore throat, it is the Lord. It is the Lord who will send fish to our empty nets. It is the Lord who will send faith to our empty spirits. And it is the Lord who will bring abundance to absence, possibility to impossibility, and expectation to emptiness. And because it is the Lord, church, we will begin this new year lifting up tired hands and worn out nets and casting them on the other side, trusting that Jesus is able, able to fill them today, tomorrow, and forevermore. So what's next for our congregation? Cast your net on the other side with me, for there, there we will find.